And now I must tell a, a sad tale of woe. When I was a teenager, I was abandoned by my family in downtown D.C. See, we'd gone to this huge exhibit at the National Gallery of Arts, and I was looking at everything closely. I was taking in everything. I was reading all the little signs that went with everything. And it seems that the rest of my family has a much shorter attention span. And so they just left. They just left. I was several hours into my tour of the exhibit when I finally noticed that I had been abandoned. Now, to give a little context, this was 1992. All right, so if you're old enough, think back. If you're young enough, I'm going to blow your mind about what the horrors of the primitive life of 1992. Smartphones were not a thing. Cell phones that fit in your pocket were not a thing. The web was not a thing. He's not here today, but Pastor Philip was not a thing. <laughs> Me carrying a wallet or having money on hand was probably not a thing. And so I was alone in downtown D.C. with no way to communicate and no way to get home and no way to pay for anything. It was somewhat distressing to me. Now, fortunately, it did turn out that they had also abandoned my older brother, and we eventually ran into each other, <laughs> lamented our situation, resumed browsing the exhibit, because, you know, we're good now, right? And then we decided to get a late lunch, because he did have money, before tackling the question of how to get home. And that's where we discovered the rest of the Burdats chowing down, more concerned with nourishing body than nourishing their, their spirit and soul through the excellent exhibit at the gallery. And so my brief period of abandonment ended well. My panic settled, right? I do make sure to remind my family of this from time to time, that they once abandoned me. And that experience of abandonment was brief. It was ultimately humorous, uh, good for leverage over the family in certain situations. And I don't mean to make light of it, because in truth, right, feeling abandoned is one of the sharpest pains we can ever experience, because we are at heart created to be social beings, and to be abandoned is to really chip away at sort of the essence of, of kind of our spirit and, and the way we were made to be. And I would say that that pain becomes more bitter when we feel like it is God who has abandoned us. And that is a very real pain that, that many of us have or will experience at some point in life. And, and so as we continue our journey this fall through the Psalms and, and what they reveal to us about the different experiences and, and, and responses in life, we, we focus on this issue of abandonment and the sense of abandonment by God as we turn to Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is a Psalm of David. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. 
but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? David's cry haunts us, right? Here is the man after God's own heart, and he's crying out, how long will you hide your face from me? David feels completely abandoned by God. And he's not alone, is he? Because sometimes you'll feel abandoned by God as well. Four times David pleads, how long? With what we know of his life, this pain that he is crying out about, that is, that is weighing on his heart, may well have been going on for years. That alone is a, a shock to our fix-it-now modern American mentality. But, but it's clear in the first verse, David feels forgotten. He believes God is hiding from him. Verse 2 asks, how long must I take counsel in my soul? and have sorrow in my heart all the day, it seems that he feels like his prayers are going nowhere. That he is left without answer from the Lord. And that without God's wisdom and guidance, he feels trapped in himself. He's, he's left to rely only on his own, own wisdom and his own advice to himself and his own imagination and experience to solve his problems. And it seems that he is deeply sad all the time. Feeling utterly defeated and alone, David sees only the, the victories of his enemy. Tremendously bad things have happened in his life, and David is in complete despair. He feels deeply let down, isolated and abandoned by God. And I would suggest that these verses, along with several of the other Psalms, may, may imply that David was also experiencing what we today might diagnose as depression. And I would suspect many of you here can identify in some way with David, either because of past or present seasons in which you felt God was distant, uncaring, or altogether absent from your life. And if you can't identify with David's plight, there's a good chance you will one day. See, it's common for Christians to experience seasons in which God feels very distant and we believe that our prayers are simply bouncing off the ceiling unheard by God as we struggle through life with no clear sense of His leadership or direction. Many of you have or will experience seasons where you feel stretched and, and pulled and twisted and, and pressured beyond the breaking point by some enemy, whether that's a, a person or it's a disease or a disability, an injury, a condition, an injustice, a financial situation or some other crisis in your life. And you pray and you pray with no relief. And it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts because you hurt and because you don't know where God is amidst your pain. Christians have wrestled and written about these feelings for centuries. Any of you have shared with me your own experiences of feeling abandoned by God. And, and when we're in these seasons, we become angry and we're we're frustrated, we feel betrayed and discouraged and confused. 
And I want to say you're not alone in this experience. We see this. Even King David, the, the mighty hero of the Old Testament, the man after God's own heart, experienced these feelings. So you're in good company. And because you're in such good company, because this is such a common experience for God's people, He has provided tools in the Psalms and other scriptures to help you cope with your experience in a way that is faithful and, and honest, that ultimately builds your relationship with the Lord, even in seasons where He feels completely absent. So what do we learn from Psalm 13 about how to respond when we feel abandoned by God? I, I believe there are four lessons. The first is to cry out to God. Verses 3 and 4 show us that it's okay to be honest with God and to cry out to Him in our pain and our frustration and our loneliness and our feeling of abandonment. Consider and answer me, right? This is a this is a submission of a prayer and a desire for response. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Right, David's not beating around the bush with, with sort of semi-pseudo-polite vagueness. He is very specific. He is confessing his frustration with God and his feelings, and he, he is calling on God, praying and pleading for answers. He is begging for God to relieve his loneliness and depression, right? To, to light up his eyes. This is, a, this is a figure of speech we see often in Old Testament to describe that idea of having joy versus sadness, right? To light up his eyes with joy before he, he dies from this sense of despair and his enemy wins forever. He begs God to hear and answer his prayers. And, and I think this is a crucial lesson for us because despite his clear feeling of abandonment, right, the, the very focus of verses 1 and 2, David is still praying. And he is still crying out for relief. He's had no answer, right? How long, how long, how long, how long? And yet he still cries out and prays. And so when you feel abandoned by God and it, it feels like your prayers are being ignored, the lesson is to pray and keep on praying anyway, just like David. You see, regardless of whether or not you feel like God is listening, the truth is God is still listening. No matter how fruitless your prayers might feel, do as Paul commands in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 and pray without ceasing. Likewise, Philippians 4, 5, and 6, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, one of the things we have to teach ourselves is that regardless of what we feel, here's the truth. God listens to your prayers if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. 1 John 5.14 assures us, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Through Christ, we can pray with confidence and boldness, even if we're not seeing any evidence that God is, is listening. The truth is, He's listening. Hebrews 4.16 exhorts us, let us then with confidence, with confidence, 
draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So pray and keep on praying because God is listening even if it doesn't feel like it. Pray with honesty and passion. David is not worried about about the forms and the the appearances of his prayer. He is not concerned with appearing to, to pray politely, happily towards God even when he is hurting badly on the inside. So follow his example and be honest when you pray. When you hurt, tell God. When you feel abandoned, tell God. Pray and keep on praying. Don't be fooled by your feelings because God is listening. Second, trust in God's steadfast love. For me, verses 5 and 6 are what make the psalm so powerful in guiding our prayers and our heart cries and our soul songs because despite no obvious resolution to the problem, no obvious lifting of this sense of abandonment by God, David still praises and delights in God. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the point we must learn to get to as followers of Jesus Christ, where we too are able to praise and worship God even when we feel like he has turned his back on us. This requires some mental and spiritual discipline. And it begins with an understanding of God's steadfast love. That's where David begins in verse 5. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now in Hebrew, God's steadfast love is chesed. Chesed is fundamental to God's character. Right When God proclaims his name and nature in Exodus 34, 6, he says that he is a God of chesed, of steadfast love. Simply put, God can't not be a God of steadfast love because chesed is who he is. Chesed is unshakable, unbreakable love that we don't deserve and we can't lose. So regardless of how you feel about yourself or your situation or about God, you cannot lose God's steadfast love in Christ no matter what. And so we must train our minds so that we never let a subjective feeling of God's absence or or a, a, a lack of his love overwhelm the objective truth of God's love for you. God's unshakable chesed is proclaimed throughout Scripture, and it is proven to us by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. He is God Himself, and yet God sent Him into this world to die for you. That's the objective truth of God's chesed, His steadfast love for you. If God sent His Son to die for you, you can be sure He will never turn His back on you. 1 John 4, 8-10 lays it out this way, God is love. And this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God 
is love. God proved his love for you through the sacrifice of his son. And so in our deepest seasons of loneliness and abandonment, we, like David, can trust in God's steadfast love. Third, rejoice in your salvation. David continues, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Realize that no matter how dire our circumstances or how alone we may feel, we can and should rejoice in our salvation. And once again, this is a a battle in our our hearts and our minds between the, the subjective feeling of abandonment by God and the objective truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, entered our world. He lived a a perfect, sin-free life that that was absolutely pleasing to God. And and we can't do that. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we exhaust ourselves in the effort, we can never live that perfectly. We can never meet the standard of the perfect creator of the universe. Inevitably, we, we slip into ungodly thoughts and desires and words and actions and inactions, don't we? And when we do, we separate ourselves from the holy and majestic God of the universe. But, but rather, the truth here is that rather than God abandoning us, the, the real truth is that in our sin, we abandon God. And that separation that we create cannot be fixed by anything we do because we can't ever do enough to be perfect. But Jesus Christ was perfect. He lived a perfect life as a man, and he made a perfect and infinite sacrifice as God in the flesh, suffering and dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and to to fulfill all of God's justice by paying for our sins with his blood. His resurrection from the dead three days later defeated the, the overwhelming power of sin and death forever. Through Christ's death and resurrection, all who choose to trust in him as Lord and Savior Receive God's grace, His steadfast love, His chesed. And He forgives our sins, erases our guilt, cleanses our shame, restores our relationship with Him, and gives us eternal life. If you've made that choice, then you have received the salvation in which you can rejoice. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So if you have believed and confessed, you have been saved. And if you have not believed and confessed, I just plead with you, make today the day you make that choice. Because when you do, you are saved. And moreover, you are adopted as a beloved child of God, a joint heir to an eternal inheritance with King Jesus. Romans 8, 14 through 17, celebrate for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into sin and fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. That's your salvation. 
And if you put your faith in Jesus, it means you have so much to celebrate every moment of every day, regardless of what else is going on in your life. You are born anew. You are a new creation. You're freed from sin's control. You're filled with God's Spirit. You're forgiven every sin. You're adopted and loved by God the Father. You'll spend eternity in His presence. And so like David, even in our seasons of despair and our sense of of perceived abandonment, we can and should rejoice in the truth of our salvation. And finally, David teaches us to celebrate God's past care for us. Despite all of his sorrow and sadness, loneliness, despair, and depression, David sings. He sings to God because of what God has done for him in the past. Verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David feels profoundly abandoned by God at this time, and yet after expressing his pain to God honestly and openly, he deliberately steers his mind away from that and focuses his soul on remembering, reciting, and singing about everything God has previously done for him. This is a wonderful and powerful lesson to us that we can and should discipline ourselves whenever we're feeling abandoned by God, that we should take time to remember everything God has already done in our life. Right? Think about what God has done for you, the, the little things and the big things. Right? Remember the right people placed in your life at the right times and in the right places. And, and remember the unexpected answers to past prayers and the, the unimaginable solutions to, to seemingly impossible problems. And then intentionally recite what God has done before and praise Him for it. We see this pattern over and over again in the Old Testament, the intentional reciting of all that God has done in the past. And we are the better when we learn this lesson. It isn't wrong to be sad and recite our woes to God. David certainly did, and he shows us the example and and says, invites us to do the same. But he also teaches us to remember and celebrate God's past faithfulness. And when we do, we draw inspiration and encouragement that God will continue to bless and care for us as he always has. This is a wonderful way for us to fulfill the the command of Philippians 4.8, to fill our minds with good things rather than filling and, and dwelling on ugliness and bitterness. Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So whenever you're in a season where you feel like you are just wandering in the desert and God is nowhere to be found, I want to assure you that one day you will look back on this time in your life, whether that is in this life or whether that is in in your eternal existence in heaven, and you you will realize that the Almighty God of the universe was always present and working in your life. And you will understand that He used your experience in the desert. He will use the pain where you felt abandoned to profoundly shape and strengthen your faith. 
Seasons like this are always painful, and I don't want to minimize that pain. It is very hard to do what David did in Psalm 13. But it is an essential part of coming through these seasons with our faith not only intact, but stronger. We can do what David did. We can cry out. We can trust in God's steadfast love. We can rejoice in our salvation. And we can celebrate God's past care for us. And by by doing so, we discipline our minds and we draw nearer to God. The God that we may not be feeling is very close to us, but truly, He is always keeping that promise He made to us. I am with you always to the end of the age. Please pray with me. Father God, we so appreciate the witness of the Psalms, their ministry to our souls, the example they set for us of how to engage with you when we are hurting. And Lord God, there may be some in this room today who are feeling like you are very distant or that you have abandoned them. Who feel that their prayers are going nowhere. Father, I know you are using this time and will use it in a powerful way in their life, but I pray, Lord, that you would give them encouragement and that you would help all of us when we are in seasons like this to follow the example of David, to keep praying and crying out with honesty and integrity, but in faith in confidence of your steadfast love that we may not be feeling at a particular moment, in assurance of our salvation, in delight with all that you have done for us in the past, Lord. Lord God, lift the spirits of those who are indeed feeling distant from you this morning. Give them a taste of the relief of the closeness they will see on the other side of this season of life. That we may continue forward. And Lord, I want to lift up any here who who may not have yet chosen to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Who don't yet have that ability to rejoice in salvation who don't yet have that first-hand experience of the bountiful way in which you deal with your people. I pray, Lord, that you would be at work in their hearts, that they would make that, that leap of faith to embrace your Son as their Lord and Savior. Father, we lift all of this up in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.